are Locked On Pistons, your daily Detroit Pistons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Seconds left. He's got the ball. He should have it. Isaiah hangs out of the ball, flips it up to the Raptors. Detroit is the city of champions again. Detroit Basketball. What is happening? Welcome to the Locked on Pistons podcast, your episode for Friday, November 6th, and it is Fridays with Brian, more draft edition. This is your boy, Matt Shook, the host of the Locked on Pistons podcast, a sports writer here in Detroit City covering sports gambling for PlayMichigan.com, a Pistons fan and follower my whole life, and a sports newspaper reporter for over a decade as well. And I'm Brother Brian, and I once quelled the frustrations of an increasingly upset Rashid Wallace over access to frozen strawberries. Thanks for listening to the show. We appreciate you guys spending us their, your Fridays with us as you do every week on Fridays with Brian. Today, we've got another draft profile from Brian on an intriguing foreign prospect. We're going to play that at the top. We're also going to talk about this week's draft prospects, Tyrese Halliburton, James Wiseman, and today's Denny Avdia as well. Six, five, and four on the Locked on Pistons listener list. And also some reactions from Troy Weaver meeting with the media today. Some draft talk, pre-draft interview as we're only less than two weeks away from the draft now. Hard to believe November 18th is creeping up on us quickly. But give me a follow on Twitter at Matt underscore Shook, S-C-H-O-C-H, another underscore after that. Also the Locked on Pistons Twitter account. And check us out on Facebook at Locked on Pistons dash Matt Shook. Give Brian a follow on Twitter as well at bshook12. And give us a follow for the Play Michigan Twitter account, Play underscore Michigan. But let's get right to it off the top. Denny Avdia is next for us on the NBA draft profiles from Brother Brian. Take it away. A few weeks ago, host Matt Shook asked you listeners to submit your opinions on the top seven draft prospects for the Pistons. And after a healthy response from you, he compiled those submissions and unveiled the list of 18 players that you voted for in the order in which you guys selected. We have decided to take that list and work our way up and give you a more in-depth summary of those prospects. So today we look at the player who was ranked number four on that list, Denny Avdia, a 19-year-old, 6'9", 220-pound forward. The son of Serbian basketball player Zufer Avdia, Denny has dual citizenship in Serbia and Israel where he grew up as his dad played professionally in the Holy Land. Growing up on a kibbutz, a farming community, Avdia was first interested in being a soccer player but before deciding on basketball in fourth grade to follow in his father's footsteps. At age 12, Avdia joined the youth program for professional team Maccabi Tel Aviv, a team he led to three straight youth state championships from 2017 to 2019. Because of his dual citizenship, he was eligible to play for Serbia in international competitions, but opted to play with players he had a friendship with on the Israeli teams. In 2017, Avdia played for the Israelis in the FIBA Under-16 European Championship, where he had 15 points and tournament leading 12 rebounds and 5 assists per game. In 2018, he was was named the camp MVP at the Basketball Without Borders European Camp. And early in 2019, he played two rave reviews on the Maccabi Tel Aviv Under-18 team at the Adidas Next Generation Tournament, where Avdia was named to the all-tournament team with over 24 points, 11 rebounds, 6 assists, and almost 4 steals per game in his team's runner-up finish. 
After that tournament, he was in Charlotte, North Carolina during NBA All-Star Weekend, where Avia was participating in and collecting the MVP trophy at the Basketball Without Borders Global Camp. He led the Israeli contingent to the gold medal in the 2018 FIBA U-20 European Championship with 13 points and 6 rebounds a game. Then Avdia went off to rejoin his Maccabi Tel Aviv under-18 team for another ANGT tournament, where they also made the finals in large part thanks to Avdia's 24 points, 12 rebounds, and almost 7 assists per game. Following a brief stint back in 2017 when he played for Maccabi Tel Aviv's senior team at the age of 16, the youngest player in club history to do so, Avdia returned for good in October of 2019. He competed in his first EuroLeague game where he set a career-high 26 points in the game at the age of 18. Avdia made a return trip to the FIBA Under-20 European Championships with Israel and was named MVP of the event with 18 points, 8 rebounds, and 5 assists en route to repeating as gold medal champions. Settling back into the Israeli Premier League, which included a three-month stoppage due to COVID-19, Avdia was able to average 13 points, 6 rebounds, and 3 assists a game while being named to the all-Israeli first team and, more impressively, at the age of 19, was named the youngest Israeli league MVP ever. Avdia tells ESPN's Get Up why he felt it was the right time to make the leap to the NBA. First of all, uh, the NBA is the best league in the world. Uh, there's a lot to learn over over there and a lot of experience there. And I think it will be great to take my uh, my game to the next level. I have not seen a better Israeli assassin since Eric Bana in the movie Munich. The amount of jet setting around the globe for camps, international competitions, and with his professional team, Avdia seems to have been playing high-level basketball non-stop since the age of 16. The 19-year-old may be the most entertaining and complete offensive player in the draft, his handle and offensive creativity and playmaking for someone of his six foot nine inch frame are a joy to watch as he can score in just about any way you can think of in basketball, although his 70% free throw shooting is rather alarming. Obvious court vision and high basketball IQ, coupled with his crafty handle, make him one of the most creative playmakers in the draft, and his slick use of at the rim finishing moves, including a potent Euro step, makes him an above average finisher at the rim. But as with most youngsters coming into the league, Avdia will need to add strength so he can play through contact better than he currently does, and some more consistency on his perimeter shooting should come pretty easily with some coaching as he possesses good shooting mechanics. On the defensive end, he needs to be quicker side to side because of his very pedestrian wingspan for a player his size. Because Avdia often can be beat off the dribble by quicker players, he has a tendency to bail out or foul, getting him into trouble staying on the court in some instances. And just a general overall elevation of consistency that should come with maturity. Most mocks are dictating that unless Troy Weaver and the Pistons end up trading up to one of the top four 
picks in the draft, they won't have the opportunity to select the very impressive Avdia. He is one of a group of three or four players that I haven't seen fall out of the top five in any mock draft, so getting him into a Detroit uniform is probably a pipe dream. Some interesting NBA comparisons I have seen are Hidu Turkolo and Nicholas Batum. Thank you for listening, and we look forward to you joining us on the next installment when we will look at point guard Killian Hayes. Danny Avdia and, of course, Brian the Israeli Assassin. Always love the, uh, the, the movie reference, the good cultural reference there of that stuff but uh we're gonna break down denny and james wiseman and tyrese halliburton that's coming up next here on the locked on pistons podcast but hey you know i gotta tell you guys about built bar the best tasting protein bar ever the improved built bar is even more delicious you got the six new flavors caramel brownie cookies and cream cherry barcia lemon almond cheesecake carrot cake and apple almond crisp i'm excited when i talk about built bar this week because i know that I've got another shipment of Built Bar on the way. Paid my car, my hard-earned cold cash for the Built Bars, and you can do the same. Add those six new flavors to the 18 amazing OG flavors as well. You got raspberry, you got salted caramel. The Built Bars are healthy as well. They're covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew, but they're good for the, the health-conscious guy as well. You can lose or maintain the weight while indulging in a delicious treat. It's a good thing to wake up to or maybe go to sleep to for that good late night snack that's not going to put you over all those bad things that you could be eating late night instead these bars are low calorie low sugar high protein high fiber great for the keto diet as well all the macros you want built bar these things are great go to builtbar.com and use promo code lockdown you'll get 20 percent off your next order use promo code lockdown for 20 percent off at builtbar.com the NBA draft near the holidays? Pretty unprecedented times for the NBA and us here at the Locked On Pistons podcast. But unprecedented times give unprecedented opportunities. So we've decided to do an NBA draft holiday giveaway. By the time the NBA draft rolls around, me, brother Brian, will have done over 20 draft profiles of the players our listeners are most excited about the Pistons potentially picking. So on the Fridays with Brian episodes on November 6th, November 13th, and November 20th, we will be giving a clue about a fact that was mentioned in one of the draft profiles. Your challenge will be to figure out which player we are talking about for each of the three clues. Once you have determined who the three draft prospects are, you need to find out the number in which they end up being drafted on the November 18th, 2020 NBA draft. And once armed with that information, add those three numbers up and make sure you follow and DM us at Lockdown Pistons on Twitter with the number that you come up with between November 20th and November 26th. Once we have all the correct entries, we will do a random number generator to select the winner and announce it on the November 27th episode of Fridays with Brian. Oh, yeah, the prize. You'll get to look clean and nice in the latest Piston Drip. That's right, you'll be one of the first Piston fans to be able to rock the jersey of the newest Piston that they draft on November 18th. Get it for yourself or it would make a great holiday gift for family, friends, or that Piston fan thought you'd be simping for. Once we select a winner, we will contact you with the size you want. Happy holidays and happy drafting. A fun draft contest for you guys to follow along. I'm excited to... Hear what you guys have to say and uh, see how many of you guys participate to get that nice prize as well. But Brother Brian joining us, as he always does on Friday, and we're going to break down these prospects. Six was Tyrese Halliburton, five was James Wiseman, and four was Denny Avdia on the Locked on Pistons listener big board. 
Brother Brian, you've been studying these guys all week. What's the top line impressions that you have from those three guys? I, I, all three very different. This is the first week I think that we've had a group of guys that are all very different from each other. There's not sure. really a lot in common. Um, Abby and Wiseman are both 19. So those guys are on the younger side. Halliburton is 20. So um, they're all three younger guys. One thing they do have in common is three of the, all three of these guys ended up on my top four. Um, again, we still have three left to do next week, but all three of these guys found themselves in their top four in my draft board at this point. So I guess it'd be the 0.75 draft board. Um, mm-hmm. nice. And one of them, one of them in number one there, I was just with Avdia. I was extremely impressed with at his age, how polished of a scorer he was and how he has just been since the age of 16, it's playing for uh, Maccabi Tel Aviv. It's playing for Israeli national teams at several different levels. He's going to basketball with order without outboarders camps in Europe and Charlotte, North Carolina. He seemed to be just flying all over the world playing high level of basketball since the age of 16. Um, so I think that uh, I got, I, I got to watch a lot of tape on him and it was just, thoroughly impressed with how polished of a an offensive game he has at such a young age um, it's going to be really interesting to see how that's going to translate uh, to the NBA obviously but there isn't much on the offensive end that I was uh, uh, worried about except for the free throw shooting which is weird for somebody who's you know such got such a nice uh, outside stroke to have so much trouble that he does at the free throw line but um, it's, he's going to be a fun one to watch coming into the NBA next year. Yeah, and in the profile, you mentioned the free throw shooting, but uh, even worse than the numbers you threw out there was that he shot 56% since 2017. So now, you know, we're talking about a guy who was 17 and probably even 16 at some points during that. So you don't want to kill him completely for that, but we're talking about a sample size of 363 attempts at 56%. The re- and it, you know, he can improve those free throws. We don't expect him to be a 50 66% free throw shooter, but the problem with that is that one of the indicators for how a guy will be as a three-point shooter, especially in the NBA where you move it back even more, is that uh, that's kind of one of the indicators. If they can knock down free throws in college or in the, uh, the pro leagues when they're younger or the amateur leagues, that uh, it's an indicator of whether they'll be able to shoot the three ball. Another thing that's interesting about Avdia is the, the NBA environment, talking about European guys, uh, foreigners coming over. It's almost like Luka Doncic has made it a little bit less daunting to take a guy like Denny Avdia, whereas maybe Doncic falls down and gets the you know traded on draft night because of maybe a little bit of uh, wariness for taking some of the European, especially European non-big men uh, in the past. Obviously, we know about Darko Milicic here in Detroit, but it's almost like, you know, and, and, not, and nothing against Denny Avdia because he, he seems like an, a great player, and I, and I don't think there's any reason to think he's not going to be uh, one of the better players in this draft when all is said and done. But it's interesting to see the kind of the, the ebbs and flows of European players and where they get drafted based on that. Now, Doncic was the best player on Real Madrid and is in the Euro League and was, was, was lighting up Europe. Denny Avdia, the, the Israeli League, not as good, but he's on the best team in the Israeli League. So it's not quite apples and apples there, but uh, interesting to see how Doncic kind of paves the way a little bit for these guys. Yeah, and, and you know, we're you know, coming up on 20 years removed from Darko, and we've seen more and more foreign players come into the league, and the world itself is just getting – 
smaller and smaller. So there might not be the cultural, sh the culture shock uh, that these kids are coming over to, uh, you know, even, you know, 10, 20 years ago when we were talking about Darko uh, coming into a foreign land and having to adjust to a culture. Uh, so I think that helps as well. And that he's been over to the States here a couple times for uh, tournaments and camps that he, people have had to get a good look at him. He's gone up against, you know, that basketball without borders camp, the global camp here in uh, Charlotte uh, against some players. Uh, and I believe I'm doing the timing right on that. He might've been there at the same time Cole Anthony was there maybe a year uh, after. So, you know, that he would have been seen against some of the better talent here in the States at that point too. So I think, you know, with the cultural thing being less of a factor and it's still a factor, but less of a factor than it maybe was a decade or two ago, uh, that's going to make their adjustment a little bit easier, but it is going to be an extra step of adjustment from getting a domestic player uh, like James Wiseman or uh, Tyrese Halliburton that we also talked about this week. And Wiseman, I'm, there's a lot to like about the kid. Obviously, the size, the wingspan, um, the athleticism, the explosiveness. There is a lot to like. One of the problems that I have, a kind of, we just kind of, as Pistons fans, got over that Andre Drummond era here in, the, mm -hmm. here in Detroit, and there isn't a great taste in our mouth from that and how that ended. And there are a lot of similarities in their game. Now, I'm not saying that it'll play out the same way or that there aren't differences that can be matted out. And there's not, you know, a new regime here too, to help the process along differently. But I just saw so many similarities there that, you know, I'm not going to be as high on him as some other people. Let me push back on that a little bit because you're right. There is that Andre Drummond thing out there that uh, it was a long kind of disappointing era that he was involved in and you give him away for nothing at the end of it. People are kind of tired of the Drummond era. I totally get that part and agree with it to a lot of extent. But as far as drafting Andre Drummond, Andre Drummond's the best first round draft pick the Pistons have made in 10 years, you know? So, 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 so don't take that type of player because of Andre Drummond. What about, Brandon Knight what about KCP what about you know Stanley Johnson I mean these are players that are kind of well first of all wings and point guards that are all these other players and some of them I mean you can take an archetype I mean Stanley Johnson we've talked about this before he's kind of an Isaac Okoro type right and and Brandon Knight I mean a, a different but maybe like a Killian Hayes type of type of type of guy there so why isn't that stigma and I know the Drummond he was here a long time, but part of the reason he was here a long time is because he was pretty good. I mean, he, you know, KCP wasn't here because he wasn't as good as Andre Drummond and, and Brandon Knight, obviously the same way. But I, I agree with what you're saying, but just that, just that thought that, that and, and I think, you know, building around centers, I don't think if you take a guy at number seven, you're necessarily building the franchise around him. You're just kind of hoping that he's another piece that helps you going forward. But uh, yeah, just wanted to throw that out there. And, the, and, and that's right. And I guess, you know, maybe my, my point is coming from going into next year, uh, he would be maybe the player you look at that you're building around for the future. Not to say that Sekou's not still there and still an option as your, you know, frontline scorer of the future, frontline player of the future. So maybe my vision is skewed thinking that that's who you're going to start setting up your team around. Uh, so, you know, you may be right, but it just as I was watching tape, I just, there were several instances where I was like, man, this is just Andre Drummond 2.0. And 
you know, just as a Pistons fan, that isn't something that I was like, yay, this is Andre Drummond 2.0. Right. And that wasn't yeah. my reaction. Right. Yeah. A, a physical freak that uh, wants to be more and, and maybe could be more in time. And we'll see how that all works out for Wiseman. So you mentioned Avdia Wiseman and Halliburton, and we know about your love for, for Kyra Lewis as well. Where does that, that shake out between those top guys on your 0.75 big board? Well, you know, let me touch on Halliburton here in just a second. But uh, Avdia is who I have right now at number one. I was really impressed with just how polished his offensive game is. Uh, there are some deficiencies on the defensive end. These guys all have holes in it. There isn't a perfect prospect out there this year. Um, and on the defensive end, he may not fit that Pistons DNA that Troy Weaver had spoken about a couple months ago. Um, but on the offensive end, it was just very impressed with how polished his game was. And that's why I slotted him above Lewis, but he was, he is so far the only player I've slotted above Lewis. Lewis is, you know, down to the number two spot. Um, okay. And uh, then I have Tyrese Halliburton right below Lewis. And that was, man, I vacillated a lot on those two going back and forth. And eventually you know the names the the words that kept coming up with Halliburton were leadership maturity charisma a lot of off the court stuff and that's great that's something that you definitely want from your point guard a team leader uh and that was on the positive side of things the game's nice the size is nice uh but what I kept coming back to and this isn't necessary you know this is going to sound you know probably a little curmudgeonly on me but he's he's overperformed expectations at every level. And I just think at the NBA, you run the risk of finally those expectations kind of catching up with you because you're taking probably the biggest talent leap of your career up to the NBA. So, you know, water always finds its level. So if maybe, you know, he's always worked harder than everybody, that's something that you, you know, constantly kept hearing when you looked into this guy's past. Uh, he, you know, that's not necessarily going to be the case. He's going to have those holes in his games that people have seen at every level that he's been able to overcome because of his high basketball IQ um, and his hard work. But in the association, everybody's going to be working that hard for the most part. And that athleticism and basketball instincts is what's going to set you apart in this league. And I don't know that he is the person that is that guy. So my that's the only kind of knock I have on him. And that's not, again, that's not a bad thing necessarily, but it's just that little bit that gave me pause to put him or to put, end up putting Lewis over him. And that was, and you know, it was, it was, uh, you know, a coin flip other than that. And then right under uh, Halliburton, I have the uh, Wiseman. So that's your top four right now. Interesting because top four, because you got three left next week. So all four of these guys will be in your top seven mm-hmm. at the end of the day at, for the 1.0. And we'll see if that changes in the next couple of weeks. And we know we got Ball, Hayes, and Edwards that we're going to talk about next week and see where those guys end up. And then we'll break that down as well on Fridays with Brian and have his big board come out a week from tonight. But also a week from tonight will be clue number two, which means clue number one from the contest we told you about earlier is coming up right now. And that clue is this player was the second all-time leading scorer at his high school in Georgia, despite only playing two years on varsity. 
that is clue number one. We'll have clue number two next week, and then clue number three the week after that. Excited to get the response from you guys and uh, rewind the podcast and listen to the beginning of this segment in case you were zoned out and missed the rules and what the contest is. And we'll have uh, more on that coming next week as well. But up next, we're going to talk about Troy Weaver and what he had to say to the media today. That's coming up next here on the Locked On Pistons podcast, which is a proud member of the Locked On Network, your team every day. But hey, and it's been a long week. If you're like me, maybe you've been staying up late watching some of these election results. I'm going to tell you what's helped me get through that 2.30 when it's when you're up till 2.30 and now it's 2.30 p.m. It's the Built Go. Built Go has been helping me break through that wall. It makes you the best you at whatever you do, whether it's the mental or the physical wall. Break through it with Go every day. It's the workout gel. It tastes great. It's like five-hour energy without the same crash feeling, plus it's natural, so it's better for the body. It's like drinking a monster drink with a third of the caffeine and better results. They got the three delicious flavors, peanut butter, honey, chocolate coconut, chocolate mint as well. How does Built Go work so well? Built Go combines energy gel with collagen protein. Collagen protein is fast-absorbing, so it gets into my system fast, plus it's easy on the stomach. Built Go is loaded with good stuff to ignite my work. The beta alanine, which is the B3 as well, the honey, the kick of caffeine, Built Go then kicks in to keep my day going strong. The collagen promotes joint, soft tissue, hair, and skin health as well. And this stuff really is going to literally make you look better in addition to tasting great and giving you the energy you need. Go to BuiltGo.com and use promo code LOCKED and you'll get 20% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKED for 20% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go! All right, Brother Brian joining us here for Fridays with Brian, as he always does. We had some news. It's nice to get some news in November, uh, and I know it's just a pre-draft press conference. A lot of these things are a little bit close to the vest, but just nice to be talking about basketball. We got the less than two weeks from the November 18th draft coming up, profiles coming up, big boards coming up, all sorts of good stuff going forward. But on Friday, I'm sorry, Thursday, uh, Troy Weaver, general manager of the Detroit Pistons, spoke to the media via virtual call, was asked about LaMelo Ball, which was one of the highlights of the interview, and uh, talked about how he appreciates the fact that LaMelo Ball is working out in Detroit. Again, he was asked about him, so he's kind of answering the direct question. He didn't bring him up out of nowhere. And he did say that one of the 10 visits that the Pistons will have will be with LaMelo Ball. So interesting there. Um, And also another thing that Troy Weaver talked about is he's got two guys at the top of his big board. He mentioned that uh, uh, several weeks back and reiterated that as well. I don't know if that's like a a close to the vest like what do you think Brian I mean is that is that just like playing some mind games or do you think he's just being honest that he's got two guys at the top of his board well it's a tough call we don't necessarily have a track record to see if that's sort of the type of thing he likes to do I mean he's never run a front office um, like he is now um, so I'm not sure but uh, you know as I'm looking at these things and I'm going to be getting into you know these top three guys who I'm assuming you know, those top two guys are probably in this group of three that are coming up out of a uh, ball haze and um, Edwards coming up. I, I, I'm not really sure. I think I've seen a lot of talent in this draft so far and the little bit I've looked at these other three, I don't know that I've necessarily seen another level of player. So I want to lean towards it's being a little bit of gamesmanship, but 
at this point, if you're at the seventh pick and you're saying there's two guys that are on another level, to what end is the gamesmanship that he would be playing, would you think? Yeah, I, I don't know. And like you said, it, it's hard to get into Troy Weaver's mind. But there's another world where, look, it, it, Troy Weaver's trying to build the culture. He's trying to get it there. Maybe he says the Detroit Pistons need, you know, the Dennis Rodman types, the Ben Wallace types, the Joe Dumars types, the, the Bulldogs on defense that set the tone for those teams. And that's something that I've been screaming about for, for three years now on the podcast. So if, if he's going to come and make that statement, maybe those two guys – are the defensive studs out there. Maybe it's Isaac Okoro and Onyeko Okongwu or something like that, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it's possible that he's got players like that at the top of his board for whatever reason and uh, and could be sitting at seven thinking that it's very realistic that one of those guys drops to that point. I mean, we just don't know. I think this could be a little bit of a crazy top ten in that those guys at the top of everyone's list aren't great players, no matter what list you're looking at. And uh, there's some pretty good players down there, 14 and 15, as well. Um, some more interesting stuff that uh, Weaver talked about. I did bring up Christian Wood and that it was kind of the first time that in the new regime that uh, we're interested in talking about Christian Wood and also talked about uh, how he'd like to get some more draft picks and he's using some of the cap space to, to possibly get some draft picks as well. Uh, Brian, let's say, and I know you've, you've read all sorts of draft stuff. You've talked about some of these guys. I'm going to put you on the spot here as we didn't prep for this. But this uh, let's say maybe that Boston move gets made. You end up with a 26 and 30, something like that. If the Pistons are in the late, late first round, early second round, is there someone that's kind of jumped out at you as you've kind of scanned some of these guys who, you know, is not going to be in your top seven or eight on your big board? But is there a name out there that's kind of stood out that said, hey, 26, this guy might be available and this guy might be a nice pickup? Well, the name that just kept popping into my head when we when I was looking at some of those Boston picks and where they were at and we're going back to Pistons DNA, kind of a little bit of a local flavor here, Xavier Tillman, uh, somebody who's, uh, you know, been in, you know, he's a little bit older. He's certainly more mature. He's further along in his uh, adult life than probably a lot of these kids coming in is a name that, again, I think he's got the DNA that, uh, you know, Troy Weaver talked about, the, you know, that very good defensive player who's, you know, offensive game shows some flashes to expanding, you know, a little bit further away from the hoop. Um, that's a name that I think would be really interesting to see at 26 or that 30. And then if, you know, I'm just surprised as I've watched mock drafts, some of these names that we assumed were going to be in the top 10 seem to be falling into that, um, you know, the teens. So then if I'm thinking about somebody that I would have initially thought of in the teens would be one of those guys that maybe you could draft and stash something like uh, Pukashevsky. Mm-hmm. Uh, if he were to fall, it would be an interesting project. If he wasn't the only player that we were coming out of the first round with, that would be an interesting project for me. I don't think that's somebody that even if you were talking about the 14th pick that I'd reach for at 14, but if for some reason he fell to that 26, that would be somebody that, you know what, if at 14 we addressed, you know, maybe the backcourt a little bit that we could look at an international prospect that, you know, could potentially spend another year over in Europe uh, in developing, getting older, getting a little bit more mature and, is just kind of that unicorn that, you know, there isn't another player that's a lot like him in this draft, especially with his size. So uh, those two names would be kind of compelling. I don't know that uh, Poku would fall that far, but if he did, Pukashevsky and and Tillman would be two people that would be on my radar uh, to pick up. 
Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Good names there. And in case uh, listeners don't know exactly what I'm referring to, the Boston Celtics have three picks in the first round, 14, 26, and 30, and they don't have a whole lot of roster spots. They've, they've got kind of a, a glut of young players already. So a move where they maybe give all three of those picks to move up for seven might make a lot of sense for them or something, maybe two picks for one. You, you take a contract back, something like that. So yeah, I, like I predicted, uh, a couple weeks ago now, or maybe a week ago or so, I believe the Pistons will end up with two first-round picks somehow, some way on draft night, whether that's an addition or moving back to 14 with the Celtics, whatever it is. Uh, Troy Weaver also did mention that he's interested in picking up second-round picks in this draft, which he does not have at this point. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see what the smoke screens are. We'll see what, what's real about Troy Weaver, and it's going to be fun to, to figure it all out, as uh, we don't know right now. Right, and another thing that he had mentioned that I kind of wanted to get your take on is if this was a smokescreen or how much reality was it, was he had mentioned that the market out there for teams looking to cut salary cap and uh, drop assets because of the uncertainty with what's going on wasn't as big as has been reported or that fans think. Do you think that's some sort of gamesmanship on that end? I Yeah, that's another one that it's hard to read because I find that hard to believe. And, and yeah, maybe it's not dropping a $20 million contract and getting a first-round pick or a high first-round pick. I find it hard to believe that there's not that shaving off the edges. And that's that might be what it ends up happening is the Pistons pick up like an, an Ennis Cantor or something like that, get the $5 million off of Boston's books, take back number 26 or something like that. I could see a move like that happening. So maybe maybe he's referring to the fact that those big money deals aren't really out there and that the $30 million of cap space will end up being maybe Christian Wood, maybe a, an $8 million free agent with some upside and then taken back in Ennis Cantor or something like that. Um, but it also is kind of preparing the fans who might be thinking, you know, we're going to get this high first-round pick from a bad team so we can take on Harrison Barnes or a, a, a contract like that that might be out there in normal times or Al Horford or something like that. Those, those huge contracts that are probably unrealistic to, uh, to actually come back to the Pistons. So, yeah, but like you said, it's just another way that we don't know, and we don't know – what, uh, what Troy Weaver means, what he says, or if he's being completely honest, or if he, he thinks it's uh, noble to tell the media the right thing before the draft, or if there's some sort of smoke screens out there. It's just, it's just hard to say, but we don't have to find, wait long to find out exactly what's going to happen. And that's what's nice about the draft coming up on November 18th. But that'll do it for the week and for Fridays with Brian as well. Appreciate Brian, brother Brian, coming through as always with the draft profiles, almost legends, Fridays with Brian. He's carrying the show. We really appreciate that. But I am your host, Matt Shook. Now, tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Locked on Fantasy Basketball. Have a great day and a great weekend as well. We'll talk to you guys on Monday.